If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. But if you read in chapter 5 and verse 3, in the latter part of verse 3, what it says is, ye have heaped treasure together for the last day. Now let me just tell you that treasure is not going to get you anywhere when Jesus comes, okay? It's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, if you're a child of God, then you just leave it behind for all those other people to plunder and you won't care whether they get it or not. Amen. You know, it's not going to matter. So you can do one of two things. You can either just spend all your time, all your time trying to heap treasure together for yourself in the last days, or you can live, you can live for the Lord. Now as I studied this passage and as I looked at this passage beginning in verse 7, I found not only an exhortation for us as believers to live godly lives in a very difficult time, but I also found the comfort that's needed for endurance. And what I think is interesting is how uh, the Lord had led me to this message actually a couple of weeks ago for today. And then our Sunday school lesson dealt with the same kind of thing. It was talking about being inspired with confidence and being encouraged uh, in the last days, except that passage that we read this morning was found over in the book of Daniel. Now, the source of the comfort that we have in the last days is in the knowledge that Jesus is coming again. The Reverend Dr. G. Campbell Morgan once wrote, and I quote, To me, the second coming is the perpetual light on the path which makes the present bearable. I never lay my head on my pillow without thinking that maybe before the morning breaks, the final morning may have dawned. I never begin my work without thinking that perhaps he may interrupt my work and begin his own. This is now his word to all believing souls till he comes. Till he comes. So, Today I want us to take a look at a passage of Scripture beginning, as I said, in chapter 5 of the book of James and beginning in verse 7. And I want us to look at this passage of Scripture because the Lord tells us some things that we need to do till Jesus comes. I've titled the message today, Exhortations for Life Till Jesus Comes. Notice with me in verse 7. James writes, Be patient, therefore, brethren, Unto the coming of the Lord, just in case you were wondering where the idea came from. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. 
Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Okay, verse 8, it says, For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Then it says in verse 9, The judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end, uh, and have seen the end of the Lord, and the Lord is very pitiful, that is, full of pity and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, let your yes be yes, and your no be no, lest you fall into condemnation. Now I want us to spend a few minutes here in this passage of Scripture uh, learning and understanding what God says should be true in our lives as we live out the remaining part of our lives waiting on the coming, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the coming of the Lord. So what should we do? Well, first of all, till Jesus comes, the Scripture tells us here that we should be long-suffering. We should be long-suffering. Uh, verse 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren. And then again in verse 8, he says, Be ye also patient. That word long-suffering, that word patience, the same thing, long-suffering. So the first exhortation for believers living in this difficult time, living in the time uh, awaiting the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ, is that we're to be patient. We're to be patient. Now, how patient do we have to be? I think there's a lot of people say, okay, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, preacher. I'll be patient, but how long? <laughs> you know, well, that whole defeats the whole thing. How long? I'll be, I'll be patient. Now listen, whenever you stop to think about the fact that the Apostle Paul really believed that Jesus was coming again in his day, then I don't know how long. I can't tell you how long. That's not up to me to know how long. That's all in the hands of Almighty God. We're just to be patient as long as we're here, okay? We're just to be patient until he comes back. And Jesus even said that he didn't know. He told his disciples, he said, I don't know. The Father doesn't want me to know that. That's not for me to know. It's not for me to tell you. He's got all of that planned out, and he'll take care of all of that. So he says we are to be patient. Now, most of us are not very good at that, okay? It's not a commodity that comes easily to us, but we still must be patient uh, in the living of our Christian lives unto the coming of the Lord. You know, I think, uh, I think if we knew uh, exactly how, how, how it was going to be and when it was going to happen and all that sort of thing, it would be easier for us to be patient until then, wouldn't it? I mean, if we knew how it was all, exactly how, how soon it was going to happen, it would be easy for us to be patient. Listen, I want to tell you something. The Bible says that patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit. For the person who lives a Spirit-filled life, patience uh, comes a little more easily. Uh, it's not uh, as big a struggle. I mean, after all, you can only live a day at a time anyway. 
And, and who knows what tomorrow holds? We don't know what tomorrow holds. And so what he's calling on us to do is just to wait on him until he comes. We are to be patient. We are to be long-suffering. Now, if you take a look at the signs, if you look around you to see what's going on, you can't help but believe that Jesus is coming soon. You can't help but believe that Jesus is coming soon. You look at the wars and the rumors of wars. You look at all the natural disasters, all the things that are happening all around us. And you can't help but believe because those are the signs of his coming. But we don't know, and he tells us, that as Christians, as believers in Christ, we are to be patient, we are to be long-suffering until he comes. Now I want you to notice the second thing that he says. Till Jesus comes, we are to be strengthened. We are to be strengthened. Verse 8, he says, Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Establish or establish your hearts. The, uh, another translation uses the word strengthen. The NIV, I think, uses the phrase stand firm. Now listen, if you're thinking about what it means to be established, if you're thinking about what it means to stand firm, then that's what that means is you have to have a good foundation. If you're going to stand firm, you have to have a good foundation. I know that there are some on some occasions that that possibly you've been in uh, been in a situation where you found a little mud, a little you know that slick mud, and it seems firm. The only problem is you can't get any traction. It seems firm, but you can't stand up, and you wind up losing your footing, and you wind up falling. I, my wife and I love to to tape uh, America's Funniest Home Videos while we're at church on Sunday night. We tape it, and when we go home, we watch it. And there's a lot of those people that sure think they've got a good, firm foundation, but their foundation slips right out from under them. They think that they can walk across tree bridges, and they find out that tree bridges don't hold up very well. And when they do, you lose, you lose your footing, and you fall into, the, fall into the creek. Folks, I want to tell you something. God says we need to build, we need to be established on a firm foundation. We need to be strengthened. We need to build upon that foundation. We need to grow in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, our foundation should, should also help us understand that we must be convinced that Jesus died, and when he died, he died the final price in payment for sin. The final time. Okay. Always before in the Old Testament, you read about the sacrificial animals. There were, sacri there were sacrifices offered as payment for sin. Offered as payment for sin. But Jesus became the one and only final sacrifice for sin. He died on the cross in payment for your sins. We must be convinced likewise that Jesus rose from the dead. This needs to be a part of your foundation. Believing that Jesus died on a cross, believing that he was buried, and believing that he rose again from the dead. That's a part of your foundation. We must be convinced also that Jesus is coming again. If he's not coming again, we don't have any hope, folks. But he is coming again. He promised that he would come again. He tells us over and over that he'll come again. James says here in this, in this scripture, establish your hearts. Paul said, I am persuaded that he is able, not me, 
I can't handle it. I can't do it. But he said, I am persuaded. You know what that means? That means you can't change my mind. I am persuaded that he is able. And Jesus himself said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, what? I will come again and receive you unto myself and where I am. There you may be also. Folks, we're established on this foundation, the foundation, the truth, and the reality that Jesus is the only one. He's the only one who saves. The third thing that I want you to notice this passage of Scripture tells us is that till Jesus comes, we need to be sympathetic. Okay? Till Jesus comes, we need to be sympathetic. Now, I sure hope none of you turned this this, uh, ninth verse off whenever we read it earlier. But I'll assure you I'm going to read it to you again. Because we need to be sympathetic one toward another. That means we need to be compassionate. That means we need to be concerned. You and I are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be loving each other rather than whooping each other, rather than beating up on each other, rather than attacking each other. We need to be loving. We need to be loving each other. Look what he says, verse 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren. That's brothers and sisters of Christ. Lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Now, I think that one thing that you need to understand is he says that God is the judge and that God hears what's going on on the other side of the door. Okay? Oh, God will never know. Yes, God knows. He knows everything. He knows all things. He knows things that you don't think he knows. And he knows things that you don't even comprehend. God knows. And what he says is that you're not to have a grudge against another believer in Christ. You're not supposed to do that. He says we're to be sympathetic. Folks, I want to tell you something. In these last days, it's going to get worse. Hear me. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And as it gets worse, you and I are going to need each other more. Okay? We've got to, we've got to love one another. Jesus told us that that's the second of the two great commandments. First one is to love God with everything that you have and everything that you are. And the second is to love your fellow man, to love your neighbor, to love your brother and your sister in Christ. We must love one another. We must look for ways not to have grudges. We must look for ways to minister to one another rather than to look for ways to to beat each other up and whip each other down. Folks, if you have a brother or sister in Christ that's down... Don't kick them while they're down. Pick them up. Lift them up. Talk to the Lord uh, in their behalf. You see, we must have sympathy one toward sympathy one toward another. I want to share a couple of verses with you. One of them's found in Mark eleven twenty five. Listen to what he says: Forgive if you have aught against any. <laughs> if you have aught against any, what does that mean? That means if you're at odds with somebody, if you're at odds with somebody, if there's somebody's done something to you, it just says, forgive them. You know, most of the time, those things that we allow to take over and control our lives, those, those differences of opinion, most of the time, they don't amount to hillbillies. You know? They don't amount to hillbillies. 
I once heard about a church that split. Now here's what they split over. They split over the Lord's Supper because some of them didn't want to all drink out of the same cup. Well, holy cow, get over it. I'm sorry. Let this group have their own cups. Who cares? You know, it's not about, they, they, you know, before all of the time they all drank out of the same cup and I guess some of them were dipping snuff or something like that, you know. So they didn't want to. Listen, we, we need to find ways to come together rather than to be divided. We're going to need each other. You're going to need me and I'm going to need you, folks. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse before the end comes. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Be ye kind one to another. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He says, "He said, okay." He said, "If you won't, if you're not willing to forgive, if you're not willing to be in a right relationship with your fellow man, then maybe God's not ready to be in a right relationship with you." Not my words; it's the word of the Lord. Even as God, for Christ's sake, it's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Have forgiven you. Folks, forgiving and being forgiven are spiritual truth, spiritual realities. I've talked to people before and said, I just can't forgive him. I just can't forgive her. There's no way I can forgive her. Yes, you can. You just have to decide to do it. Okay? It's, it's not something that's in, in, embedded in you. It's a decision you make. It's a choice and we have to choose to forgive. We have to choose to be right one with another. Number four, till Jesus comes, we need to be sincere. He said, okay, be sincere in your relationship. Be sincere uh, in your compassion. Be sincere in your service to all to Almighty God. Verse 10, he says, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for example, of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold... We count them happy which endure. Now listen, endurance endurance takes a sincerity 
a sincerity on, on your part. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful, that is full of pity and full of tender mercy. We need to be sincere. We need to be faithful unto the Lord. I think whenever James uses words like suffering, affliction, and patience, and endurance, he's talking about faithfulness. You know, we're not going to be willing to endure the hard times if we're not faithful to the Lord. And the reason for that is because if we're not faithful to the Lord, then we don't come under the faithfulness of the Lord. We don't really, it's, it's there always. God is always faithful. But we don't realize it. We don't see it. We don't understand it. We don't comprehend it. Things happen in our lives that, that, that are difficulties, that are struggles. And what we try to do or what we tend to do if we're not living faithfully to the Lord is to blame God. You know? I mean, I hear, we hear it all the time, people blaming, blaming God. Well, I don't believe in God because if there was a God, this terrible thing wouldn't have happened. Well, most of the time when the terrible things happen, it's something that we've done to cause it to happen. I realize that there are some instances when it's, when it's not. But people depart from the presence of the Lord. They run away from God. And listen, the old devil, he wants to distract you. He wants to lead you away. He wants to keep you from doing uh, what you should be doing. He, he wants to hold you back from a sincere surrender unto Almighty God. According to Romans 8, 29, Paul tells us that it is God's will for his children to be conformed, to be conformed to the image of his son. What does that word conformed mean? You know what conformed means? Well, let me just let me just say this. If you take some gelatin, everybody know what gelatin is? Oh, I'm sorry, jello. If you take jello and you mix it up and you pour it into a jello mold. And you put it in the refrigerator, chill it down, and you pour it out, it's going to be shaped just like the mold, isn't it? Okay? Now, if you go and you make another batch, only this one's strawberries to the lime, and you pour it in that same mold, and you pour it out, it's going to look just like the other one you made, only a different color. Is that right? That's what it means to conform. We're to be conformed to the image of Christ. We, God is working in our lives to make us duplicates. <laughs> that means we're all going to be alike. Is that right? If every one of us is conformed to the image of Christ and we're all going to be like him, that means we're all going to be alike. We're going to be alike in our sincerity. We're going to be alike in our in our compassion, in our sympathy. We're going to be alike in, 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 our, in our foundation, in our firmness, in our strength. We're going, to be, we're going to be alike. That's what it means. And that's what God says that we're supposed to be is conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me move on. Number five, he says until Jesus comes, we are to be serious. We are to be serious about our commitment. We're to be serious about our commitment. Now, I, I use that word serious just because all the rest of these points in this message are S's, okay? Serious. We're to be serious. We're to be trustworthy. We're to be dependable. Uh, the Lord wants us to be dependable. Now, I want you to notice this verse because I think it's critical for us to understand that in the last days, we must be like this, dependable and trustworthy and serious about our commitment to the Lord. 
But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Now, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that if you say something, people can trust you. If you say you're going to do something, they can count on you. Now, do we stumble? Do we fall? Do we miss, do we miss the mark? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Because sometimes we commit to do things and we don't do it right then and then we forget and then the next thing you know, uh, we're reminded of it. Listen, I try to write things down so that I'll know. And I don't know if Chris has been in the office yet, but I left her a message yesterday on the answering machine to remind me to do something next week or that something's happening next week because I forget. She's my right-hand man. She reminds me of these things. And she, she writes them down and then remembers to read them. You know, I, I, I pray, Lord, please help me to get all of this stuff together. And, I, and, and I, I got it all together, but I forgot where I put it. So, you know, it's just one of those things. But we need to be dependable. We need to be trustworthy. We need to work on that. It needs to be something that is important to us. And when you tell somebody you're going to do something, you just, you just, go, ahead and, just go ahead and do it and do it, do it as well as you can and do it right there. You see, our yes needs to mean yes. If you say that you're going to uh, do something to help somebody, then whenever, they, whenever you get that opportunity, whenever it comes about, then you go ahead You go ahead and do that. We're going to need that kind of dependability in the last days so that you can count on other, you can count on other believers. You know, whenever you're looking for a friend, one of the first qualities you're going to look for in a friend is, is whether they're trustworthy, whether they're dependable. Whether you can trust them with your secrets. You know, only your best friends will you trust with the secrets of your life, the secrets of your heart. The things that you don't want everybody else to know about. And you and I need to learn how to be that kind of a friend to every other believer uh, in the Lord Jesus, believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the custom of Dr. A.J. Gordon to spend his summer vacation at their old farmstead in New Hampshire. He spent it with his family, with his children. And one summer, uh, while he was there, it was necessary for him to return to Boston. Uh, and so he, he went to his children. He said, children, uh, I, I've got to go. I, I know you're going to be disappointed because this is our time together. This is family time together. And he said, I know that, that uh, you're going to be disappointed. And so he comforted them with these words. And he said to them, I will expect you to be at the station watching for me. When I return, he said, I will expect you to be at the station watching for me. Well, Mrs. Gordon took the children, they went down to the train station, they saw him off, and they returned to the farm. And when they got back to the farm, all of the children were so excited in, in anticipation that he was coming back, that they were ready to go wash up, they went and washed their hands, washed their faces, and they changed their clothes, so that they would be ready. Now, they didn't, the problem was they didn't know when he was going to come back. So every day this was the routine. Get up and get ready. Get prepared because today might be, might be the day uh, that he would come home. And they lived their lives day by day during that time in anticipation so that they would be ready to meet him when he returned. Went on for several days before Dr. Gordon did return. Now, 
when I read that story, it reminded me again of that patience still, you know. Well, you know, the Lord didn't come today. Well, he hadn't come today. He, hadn't come, he didn't come yesterday. And, and he hadn't come today either yet. Yeah, he, he could, but he hadn't come today either yet. So, you know, I'm just I'm just going to go ahead and go on about my business and go on and live my life. Do whatever I want to do because, you know, uh, there, there'll be plenty of time to get ready later on. Um, yeah, not so much. <laughs> he will come at a time when you least expect him. That's not me. That's the word of God says that. So what does that mean? That means that we, as believers in Christ, need to be living our lives in such a way so that we're ready for him to come at any time. At any time. We need to be living our lives for Jesus till Jesus comes. John wrote, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. we got to be ready. we got to be cleaned up because that's the way we need to be living our lives till Jesus comes. We must be long-suffering. We must be strengthened and established. We must be sympathetic. We must be sincere. And we must be serious dead serious about our commitment unto the Lord. Alright, I'm going to close with this thought. On 1 Corinthians, over the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, in the previous verses, uh, he's talking about when Jesus will come. In verse 52, he says, In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. He's talking about the coming of the Lord here. And then down in verse 58, listen to what he says in verse 58. I love this verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What you do in the service of Almighty God is not in vain. Now I'll just tell you, tell you seriously, a lot of the other junk we do is in vain. I mean, it has no real value. It has no real purpose. But what you do in the service of Almighty God is not in vain. So he said, now listen, till Jesus comes, be steadfast, be unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you, Father, that through your spirit you make your word clear to our hearts. And dear Lord, I pray for those who have gathered in your house today that you might speak to each and every one. Help us in our hearts to hear what the Spirit says. Father, first of all, I pray for those who have never yet entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that they might have heard the gospel today enough so that they might understand and know of their own personal need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And dear Father, I pray for believers today. I pray that you will remind us that we are in this together. 
and that we need to be able to depend on each other. This is KCAA. Welcome to My Awesome Empire. This week, we're introducing you to some pretty cool Inland Empire young people. Rusty Palmer gathered the sharpest IE college students together and created a system where nonprofit volunteer hours could be used as capital on their college campus. It's not just a cool idea. Corporate and elected leaders are clamoring to meet Rusty and his staff from the Revolve Project. We'll meet him later in the show, as well as Akello, a six-year-old who tells us all about the great attributes of living in Chino Hills. But first, we introduce you to Frida Murrieta of Riverside. This 12-year-old loves soccer, but never imagined that before she even made it to high school, scouts would be clamoring to come see her play and encouraging her to move away from home to begin training at the Olympic Development Program Camp. Frida visited our studios this week and sat down with Cal State San Bernardino communication major Aaron Campbell, who asked when this love for soccer all began. Well, I first fell in love with soccer in, when I played my first game. And so I go to my first game, and my coach says, okay, what position do you want to play? And I said defense. I just said anything that just came up to me. Mm-hmm. And so I go on the field, and I see this activity. I see kicking, passing, and running. So when I'm looking what's going on, I, go, I, I realize what I need to do. So I get the ball. And I take on the opposing players, and I almost score a goal, and I hear a lot of cheering, and I feel so happy. So after the game, my coach comes to me and says, we want you to stay on the team, and I want you to come back and practice with us, and we'll keep you, um, we'll keep you in contact. Awesome. What is it about soccer that is so awesome to you? Uh, soccer that... Um, that's so awesome to me is that like there's a lot of activity and running and I love to be active and I love to like be free and just like be in in open places I don't like to be enclosed a lot so I try to keep myself very active how old were you when you played your first game I was actually six years old when I started playing were you good right from the start well I wouldn't say I was good like on the first day, but like I sort of knew what to do because I saw kids were doing it. So, Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I'm just like, okay, I'll try to do that. So I did that. Cool. Were you interested in other sports? Um, no, actually, I've always wanted to stay with soccer as my personal and permanent um, sport. But I, I was in gymnastics and in ballet for two years and before I wanted to play soccer. So when did you figure out that you were so good at soccer? Well, I found out that I was very good at soccer because parents and my parents would tell me I would play so good. And my coach in person would say, you're so good. And sometimes I would be asked to play or guest play with other teams. And the funny thing is that some boys, because I would play with boys, some boys would get mad because I would take them on, <laughs> and they wouldn't be able to stop me. Awesome. So, yeah, and a lot of parents from other the opposing team would also say I was good. Awesome. If you just joined us, you're listening to My Awesome Empire. I'm Erin Campbell, and we're speaking with Frida Marietta of Riverside. Frida is one of the very few kids invited to attend the residential Olympic development program in Ojai, California, due to her extraordinary skills in soccer. Frida, what is the hardest thing you've had to learn for soccer? The hardest thing I've had to learn from soccer is how to strike a ball to the net because um, for me, a size three ball was huge. So it was a small feet and a and big ball for me. So it was pretty hard for me to like manage and like position myself in the correct way to kick the ball. But I didn't give up um, just because I didn't know how to kick a ball. So I just, I kept trying and trying and I got better at it. So how did you find out that you were invited to attend the Olympic development program? I found out that I was, um, I was asked to try out for the ODP Olympic development program. Uh, by my dad he got an email from the team manager and so he told me and I was just like wow what did your friends say when you told them well they were very happy for me and a lot of people like they were like so excited because my one uh, two other of my teammates also got asked to try out and so they we were all three excited and to go and to try out and my coach was very happy for me that I made it that far that's awesome. And your mom and dad? Uh, they were very happy for me that I made it that far, too. Frida, do you have any brothers or sisters? Yes, I have a 22-year-old a sister. Um, she has a baby, so I'm an aunt. And I have a brother. He's seven years old, and he's an uncle, too. Oh. Are they supportive of your soccer career? Yes, they are. They sometimes uh, want to do what I do. Oh. They... They follow my steps. They, they ask me, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I try to explain it the best way so they can understand how to do it as well. So you actually give tips to your older siblings. Yes. My <laughs> sister, when she was in high school, she too played soccer in San Bernardino High School. And so she gave me tips. So I'm giving my brother and my nephew some tips too. Awesome. Fortunately, Frida, you brought your dad here with you today because I've got questions I'm dying to know. Mr. Marietta, how difficult is it really for a 12-year-old to be invited into such a program? Thanks, Erin. Uh, well, just to give an idea, uh, in the region where the girls are invited from, uh, we were told that there are about 7,000 players just in her age bracket. And of those 7,000 players, only about 130 were invited to try out and of the hundred and thirty and they're scouted by the way they're they're uh, the scouts go to different matches different tournaments um, and they get scouted 
um, and then coach recommendations and such, and actually opposing coach recommendations as well. So anyways, they take about 130 to the tryout. Of those 130, uh, first cut, there's a first cut, and it's down to 48. And of the 48, uh, 22 to 24 get invited to the camp. So it's extremely competitive. You must be incredibly proud. Yeah, I, I couldn't even do it justice uh, to describe how, how I feel about it for her, the opportunities that this could open up for her. What does your wife have to say about this? Well, I wish I would have recorded her reaction when they called out the names because they announced it right then and there. My wife cried. Were you the one that pushed her to try soccer in the beginning? Actually, no. Um, we have always made a commitment to our kids and ourselves that we would uh, support them in what they want to try. And one day uh, she was in ballet and she was doing fine. It was just uh, it's, it's too regimented. And one day she said, I want to play soccer. And I thought, oh, it's just a fad. So I bought the cheapest cleats I could find, the cheapest shin guards and everything else. And uh, at that time, I worked at San Bernardino High School. So I asked uh, the, the gentleman that ran the, uh, the soccer league, I said, hey, can you find a – my girl says she wants to play. Can you find a team for me? He said, sure, show up Sunday at you know, 10 in the morning. I show up, and uh, as Frida described, and, and that coach was actually mad uh, because a girl was sent to, you know, to his team. Oh. And after that, he, um, he, you know, we're friends still, and he admitted that after he watched her play that he made a decision that no more girls but Frida States. <laughs> were you much of an athlete as a kid? I did. I played, uh, I played soccer. That was my first sport, but um, I struggled with asthma, so I had to, I had to stop. Uh, and I played baseball, played football. I played high school baseball, Pop Warner football. So, yeah, I was busy. Do you get out there and help her practice? Not as much anymore. I mean, we do. We'll go out, kick the ball. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, she's much better than I am. Mm -hmm. So at this point, um, I, I just try to support by, again, going out there. I'll, I'll kick some balls to her so she can practice certain skills. But uh, when she first started, yeah, we'd go out and actually shoot and practice passing and such. Uh, but now I'll, I'll let the experts handle it. <laughs> How much practice time is Frida putting into the game per week right now? Right now, it's, uh, it'll vary week to week, but uh, uh, it's no less than about four to five hours a week. Um, just recently, and I'll throw it in, she was also invited to practice. Um, uh, the, the U.S. Soccer uh, Association holds special trainings, again, that you're invited to. It's by invite, and you're invited monthly, um, and Frida's been invited now. She's gone every month for a year, uh, so that's a... Uh, that, that's another special training that she's been invited to. So that's on top of her club training. So she is clearly very, very dedicated. That's all she wants to do. If my wife allowed her to dribble the ball inside the house, she would dribble the ball <laughs> inside the house. But no balls inside the house. <laughs> and how do you balance homework and practice for Frida? That's, that's, uh, that's the tricky part. Uh, what we do normally is um, she'll, um, we'll go online and we'll check for example, on Thursdays or Fridays, we'll check what she has to do for the following week, mm. and then we'll, we'll try to get a head start on the weekend. So that way, when she does go to practice, because practice will end at 7, 7.30, oh, wow. um, and, and she's an early riser, so um, she's sleeping by 8, 9 o'clock. So we'll try to get ahead of it so that during the week she doesn't have to give up one or the other. Mm -hmm. Wow, Frida, all of this practicing, do you know what they're going to teach you when you get to the program? 
Um, well, I think when I get to the program, what I think they're going to teach me is how to improve my striking skills and my tech, like a lot of like dribbling skills and how to improve it better because t as you grow up, teams, and, uh, teams get better and better, and so it's not going to be as easy as it usually is now. Would you like to become a huge Olympic soccer star? Yes, that's actually my dream since I was a little girl. I have my dreams been, like my dream was to be in the Olympics and aside from that, my my other dream is to get a scholarship from USC. For our listeners who have never seen or watched a soccer game before, could you describe why you think it's just the greatest funnest sport ever? I would say that soccer is the greatest and funnest sport ever for me. It's because the feeling when you like score a goal, it feels great. You get cheered for. Um, your team is going towards you, hugging you, giving you a high five. And knowing that you did that makes you feel like, oh, I did something for my team. And I feel great for doing that. And I'm, I'm going to continue doing that because I see the good side of it and that's what I see other players do. They do it for their team, they do it for themselves, and they just seem really happy when they do it. And some other people, they try to bring me down saying, you're not good, um, you don't play as good as I do, but I, do, I don't let that get to me. I, let, I make it, I slide off of it, and I just continue. Frida, how important is it for us to have games like soccer? Um, it's important to have games like soccer games because it keeps everyone like excited. You want to know, oh, is this going to happen and will it happen? Because in the World Cup, some people were expecting for this team to win and the other team not to win. So it gets everyone pumped up and excited. And then it's really good because you get to have like a family reunion and watch it all together as a family and to make some bonding time and to like see the game and just um, just being there and having some fun. Yeah, it's very important. Good luck to Frida as she begins training for the Olympics. Coming up, the young man who founded the Revolve Project with many of the area's sharpest college students. Some pretty important people are listening to what they have to say. We'll find out why. Stay with us. Would you like to open up your home and share the American culture with an international student? The College of Extended Learning at Cal State San Bernardino is seeking local Inland Empire families to host students for programs ranging from one week to five months. Welcoming an international visitor into your home is an exciting and rewarding experience. By hosting an international student, you allow them to learn about our country, not only in the classroom, but also through the everyday American traditions at your home. This opportunity provides invaluable education to both host families and students while creating memories and friendships that will last a lifetime. Homestay families are asked to include students into their normal family activities. If this sounds like something you may be interested in, please apply online at cel.csusb.edu forward slash IEP and click on the host families link or call 909-537-5980. That's 909-537-5980. Help make a difference in an international student's life today. Welcome back to My Awesome Empire. Rusty Palmer of San Bernardino is a local college student 
who has thought for a while that if someone were to merge young, technically savvy college students with local, more mature business owners, they could elevate business and help his hometown. Rusty is the founder of the Revolve Project, and that is just one of the ideas his collective of great young thinkers is working on. People are listening, too. The Revolve Project founders are being quoted by politicians, business leaders, and college presidents. So Cal State San Bernardino communication student Amanda Fernandez invited Rusty to sit down and discuss this ambitious group. Explain why you chose the name Revolve Project. We, we kind of thought that uh, projects should be ongoing in a college community, um, and we wanted to kind of create a setting that was just ongoing, revolving around the student life and uh, community aspect. Um, so Revolve, uh, we have within our logo, the first V is upside down, and it actually stood for student values that were kind of just upside down. They're full of uh, knowledge, but they don't have the skill base because they're lacking the application. What we saw with the other V in our logo is that small businesses and community partners have their values right set up. They may not have the education that the students have, but they, they know how to take things and build. They know how to point somebody in the right direction. And we figured that mentorship opportunity could exist where students could be gaining something from the small businesses and community leaders by directly becoming involved. The reason our logo has the word love upside down is if we try to commingle those values of the student's skills and knowledge uh, to develop their application of skill, uh, and we get this, the small business owners that are passionate about the community and they have uh, roots here that are strong, they can network those students, get them involved in the community, and create a passion and love for giving back and becoming involved in the community. Can you go back just a little bit and explain to us the whole process of what you're trying to do? Yes. Uh, what we're doing is pretty basic. Uh, we're basically telling the school that we put uh, touch screens on campus, that students are going to interact with them, and they're going to get information more relevant to them. And in a way, uh, using social medias and message systems that directly applies to the student it makes their life easier. Uh, what we're trying to use that system for is to create profiles for students to where they can use it like a passport for activities on campus as well as in the community and at small businesses. With things like Apple Pay coming out, there's not a platform for people to use that on campus or also in the small business sector. What we're trying to do is make it so that there's a platform for people to use payment systems such as the Apple Pay uh, and other things that NFC could bring to the table, such as their identification verification. Uh, within what we're doing, we're using cloud technology to make it so that students can create a profile, put all the things that are relevant to them in that little cloud, and then they can move around the community and the university using that information when it's relevant. Explain the technology you've created for this whole thing. Okay, I could get real technical, but I want to keep it simple. Basically, we're making a kiosk network that makes it so students can utilize their social profiles, their social network, to engage in the community and create social good to support community events and to support small businesses on platforms that only major corporations have. 
But you and the group have a very big passion for San Bernardino, correct? Yes. Is this something you can elevate to serve a huge community? Yes, of course. Uh, our plans are to make it so that students can engage and support small businesses. Right now we're looking at only the small area within the university, but we look to expand out to incorporate community colleges to work with private universities so that those students as well could support small business. And then once we've uh, worked within the student niche, we will expand out so that the general population can start to use the same technology and empower the community and support small business. So Rusty, what is the reason that corporation leaders and city leaders are talking about your group? The reason they might be talking about us is because we're uh, taking the corporate model and we're expanding on it. Corporate social responsibility has been something that corporations talk about and they try to put it in their model to make it so that they uh, aren't losing profits by not doing the right thing to begin with and they're gaining profits by maybe doing the right thing. What we're trying to set out to be a benefit corporation where we already have a planned implementation of social good. What we want to do with that is make it so that even though we're creating profit on one part, we use that profit to attack a social problem. Uh, I myself, I'm a techie. Everyone thinks I'm a techie. But I myself have still, to this day, not been able to hold a tablet for more than 10 minutes, which is a sad fact. There are people out there that don't have access to technology. We believe that students, small business owners, and community should have access to technology, and not just the hardware, the software, and the education. So this is something that we're going to continually be giving back to small businesses, students, and the community. Are there other groups elsewhere, like the Revolve Project, that have inspired you? Yes, actually, uh, San Bernardino Generation Now is a local group that has really inspired us because they saw a problem in the community and they directly got involved. They got engaged to make change. I was a part of that group myself, and uh, I see a great opportunity for youth to start stepping up in the community and make change. One of the most influential groups that we saw uh, within, the, within California was called Hand Up. It's a application that adopted the California benefit model as well. Their idea is that they are taking the uh, qualms of giving to homeless away from the picture so that you can donate towards a homeless person either getting something essential that they need such as a bike or bedding, things that they can't get in the normal system where they're allowed food and things like that. What Hand up does is makes it so that there's a voucher system that protects the the person that's giving to the homeless that doesn't want to give cash that supports a uh, drug problem or otherwise. Uh, they want to support somebody that's trying to get back on their feet. That's why it's called hand up. Uh, when I saw their model, I said, "Hey, you know what? We need to find a way so that we can do exactly that to find uh, the." a way for us to use our profit to mostly impact the social good and change things. If you just joined us, you're listening to My Awesome Empire. I'm Amanda Fernandez, and we're speaking with Rusty Palmer, one of the founding members of the Revolve Project. This project involves using community service as spendable capital to solve many of the local community and economic issues. Local leaders and experts are very interested in this group. So, Rusty, tell us about the services the group is offering. One of the things that our, our, our main goal is basically to connect the students to the small business and community of San Bernardino. 
we see a lack of the students in the environment. The students don't really have a culture that rings through to say this is a college town and that there's college students that are engaged and supportive of this environment. What do you see as the real problems of the inland communities? I think it's in uh, engagement. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of wealth and value in the people and the communities that are found throughout in the empire. The, the reason for people to contribute, and that's what I'm trying to be a part of, is making it so that young people value getting involved and they value what's already established and they try to build on that rather than creating their own that's exclusive and only for young people. I think the community coming together brings a new opportunity. Young people can learn from old people, older generations, and older generations have a lot to learn from young people. What other work has the group been involved in? We've been involved in a lot of events locally. Uh, one of the past events was the Downtown Summerfest, which we collaborated with the Black Chamber of Commerce locally. The, the Sun newspaper was a huge sponsor of. We had uh, San Bernardino Generation Now and other youth organizations that were there. Uh, we had a large showing. Um, it was a two-day event, and on those days we had 500 to 1,000 people show up throughout the day. We had 17 local musicians play and several nonprofits and local vendors. Uh, we've done events like that in the past. Uh, every day I offer opportunity for our team to grow. Um, that's the main objective of our team is it's still educational. We're learning as we're going. We're, this isn't going to be the only thing we do. And with Revolve Project, it's an ongoing project not only for us to make a difference, but it's an ongoing project for us to grow. As CEO, what do you and your team really want to do for the Inland Empire? Our main objective is to make it so that students are gaining the skills in the community and in the small businesses. We want to create that connection that can't be broken. We want to create an opportunity for the students to gain their skills right here. The small businesses need things. They need social media. They need websites. They need a new way to connect with young people. What I see is an opportunity for that value change to happen. We see the small businesses struggling, and we see these students that are also struggling just trying to find opportunities and employment. They're not getting that either. Why can't we get them to engage with these small businesses, start impacting them to build their skills so they can build a portfolio that will help them get that career that they always dreamed of? I believe students come to college because they dream that they have an opportunity to get to do exactly what they want to do, that they're passionate about. Make money and make a living, be able to have a family. And I think that locally, if we get the students to start making changes, using their skills, we can make that happen. We can make the small business and economic changes, and we can make a community that's powerful, that supports one another. And really, giving back is a part of a community that's essential, sharing and developing. If you'd like to learn more about The Revolve Project, go to therevolveproject.com. You're listening to My Awesome Empire. Coming up, a six-year-old tells us about the most beautiful thing in Chino Hills. Stay with us.
Start college as a student. Start growing as a leader. Start your career as an officer. Start strong. When you register to take Army ROTC course electives, you'll be on the path to leadership. You'll also learn lessons that go beyond the classroom. And as an Army ROTC cadet, you may be eligible for full tuition scholarship and a monthly allowance of up to $500. When you graduate and complete Army ROTC, you will leave ready to lead as an officer in the U.S. Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. To find out more, visit your Army ROTC representative. Contact Army ROTC San Bernardino at 909-537-5533 or visit armyrotc.csusb.edu for more information. There's Strong and then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army. Welcome back to My Awesome Empire. As we close our program, we introduce you to Akello, who describes for us the finer points of Chino Hills. My name is Akello Shine. I'm six and a half years old, and I live in Chino Hills. I love to play at Community Park. My favorite thing to do there is play baseball. I'm pretty good at first base, but I also play outfield. I also love to listen to music. My favorite band is One Direction. I love One Direction. When I'm listening to One Direction, I'm usually at my house watching TV. I like school. Shout out to Miss Riley, best teacher ever. Eagle Canyon Elementary, best school ever. You know what the prettiest thing I ever saw in Chino Hills was? It was my mom. She lives in Chino Hills, and that's just one reason why Chino Hills is the best. <laughs> Thanks, Akello, and thank you for joining us today for another My Awesome Empire, produced entirely by students at Cal State San Bernardino. All of our guests today were suggested by our awesome listeners. Do you know a great doctor, babysitter, storekeeper, student, or senior citizen? We'd love to hear about it. Write to us, myawesomeempire at csusb.edu. Thanks to student producer co-hosts Aaron Campbell and Amanda Fernandez, engineers Rocky Giles, Annette Linares, and to chief production engineer Arnold Robles. My Awesome Empire is a production of the College of Arts and Letters at California State University, San Bernardino. Until next time, I'm Lacey Kendall. Have an awesome week. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. As an old popular song asks, what do you get if you work your fingers right down to the bone? Bony fingers. As housekeepers in the sprawling Marriott chain of hotels know, that's more than a cute lyric. It's the truth. These room attendants, as they're called, are paid barely $8 an hour to perform a very hard physical job, suffering the highest injury rate in the so-called hospitality industry. 
Some two-thirds of them have to take pain medication just to get through their day of heaving 100-pound mattresses, stooping to clean floors, and twisting to readjust furniture in 15 to 20 rooms per shift. Yet, Marriott's CEO publicly hails the very women he exploits as, quote, the heart of the house, saying his chain likes to express its appreciation to them with, quote, special recognition events during International Housekeepers Week. Yes, exploited room attendants are not rewarded with a living wage, but with a congratulatory week. How great is that? This year, Housekeeper Week came with a new tipping initiative, a scheme created by multimillionaire Maria Shriver, urging Marriott's customers, quote, to express their gratitude by leaving tips and notes of thanks for hotel room attendants. Shriver says she hopes the voluntary tips, quote, will make these women feel validated. Is that sweet or what? Does she at least urge that this tip be the standard 15 to 20 percent we give at restaurants? No, one to five bucks per night stay is recommended. Let's see, at about $250 a day for a Marriott room, even $5 is a sad 2 percent expression of gratitude. As for customers leaving a little thank you note, imagine trying to buy a bologna sandwich with that. This is Jim Hightower saying, how about this? Instead of paying $9 million a year to Marriott's CEO, make him rely on customer tips and see how validated he feels. What have I learned so far? I've learned that there's no one path that is right for everyone. I've learned that without my high school diploma, I could only help so much. My options were limited. I found a free personalized learning program with flexible scheduling so I could keep my job while earning my high school diploma. I found new career training opportunities that will jumpstart my future. What have I learned so far? I've learned that I can change my life. At Learn for Life, we believe all students should have access to a free quality education. Learn for Life connects students and parents with resources in their area where they experience a personalized learning approach to education. With free support services such as tutoring and career readiness programs, Learn for Life will provide options to help students and parents succeed. Check us out on the web at www.learn4life.org or call us at 1-877-360-LEARN, 877-360-5327. Experience Learn for Life. Hi, I'm Aaron Michael Sanchez. And I'm Kelly V. Dolan. And you can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m., right here on KCAA Radio. What do we talk about, Kelly? We talk about everything from entertainment to business and tech, and we have a few laughs in between. And we <laughs> dance a whole lot. In fact, if you want to watch us every day, you can go to AaronandKellyLive.com. That's AaronandKellyLive.com. Check it out. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. You're listening to an encore presentation of this program on AM 1050 KCAA, the Inland Talk Express. Helps Weight Loss Club Show. You know I love that organic cooking. I always ask for more. And they call me Mr. Natural. On down to the health food store. I only eat good sea salt. White sugar don't touch my lips. And my friends is always begging me to take them on macrobiotic trips. Yes, they are. But at night I take out my strong box. And then I keep under lock and key. And I take it off to my closet where nobody else can see. I open that lid so slowly, take a peek up north, down south. Then I pull out a hostess Twinkie and I pop it in my mouth. <laughs> 
In the daytime, I'm Mr. Natural, just as healthy as I can be. But at night, I'm a junk food Good Lord, have pity on me. At lunchtime, you can always find me at the Whole Earth Vitamin Bar. I'm just sucking on my plain white yogurt from my hand-thrown pottery jar. And sipping a little hand-pressed cider with a carrot stick for dessert. And wiping my face in a natural way on the sleeve of my peasant shirt. Yes, I do. Uh, but when that clock strikes midnight and I'm all by myself, I work that combination on my secret hideaway shelf. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.